I think life is very interesting. One of the things, whenever I get into water, I have to be very careful because I can get swimmer's ear. So I find earwax very interesting. A little insight into my personality. I, I'm so prone to ear infections that I'm always paying attention. So when Gus put the earplugs in, I thought, you know, you're a bright man because I've never done that. I think I might start doing that. But earwax. You know, why did God make earwax? It's such an incredibly ordinary thing. And I often think about Jesus. Did he have earwax? Well, of course he did. Right? How often do we think of Jesus trimming his toenails? Jesus lived an ordinary life. Jesus made this commitment. He stepped into humanity. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And He had earwax. He probably had an ear infection once in a while. And He lived this incredible life as a son, a brother, a friend, a community member, a carpenter. Just this ordinary life in the shadows of society where most of his life was spent out of the way until he became the way. And this is the Lord we serve. Eighteen years we had this gap between hearing about his moment in the temple at 12 to him coming into this moment that we heard about today when he walks onto that shore of a river wades in and says to John the Baptist, you must baptize me. 18 years of banged toenails and fingernails. I imagine him hitting the wrong nail, as I often do when I'm hammering. And a blackness. I imagine his hands raw from shaving the wood. I imagine him standing back and looking at his his work and his craftsmanship, and actually feeling a sense of accomplishment. And I imagine him dealing with earwax in the ordinariness of life. See, it's at this moment where Jesus steps out of the ordinary in obedience, and he's commissioned into this public ministry in obedience to what God had called him to and submits to the waters of baptism. And God was thrilled. There's something extraordinary about this simple act of obedience. Now last week we spoke about being peculiar and eccentric. And those of us who are visiting here today, this church is peculiar and eccentric. Starting with their pastor. But in the Scriptures, peculiar, it's a word used in the, in the, in the King James Version, and it had a, a slightly different connotation. Peculiar is something that's set apart. So we use it today as that person's peculiar because we set them apart from us. But really what it meant was it belonged to someone. It was property. So when we talk about being a peculiar people, we talk about belonging to God. And we become eccentric, and the root of eccentric is to be off-center. 
And as we become believers of Jesus and stepping into the water, the profession today was, I will be off-center. Because Jesus is going to be my center. And so we become, as we act out in obedience, Jesus showing us the way, becoming peculiar and eccentric. And this is what Jesus did. He stepped out of the ordinary and into the extraordinary, and this invitation remains for each and every one of us today. You see, Jesus, in his obedience, was showing how we become peculiar, and we want to be peculiar. I know the world says you shouldn't be peculiar, but the Bible is telling us there's life in being God's people. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we become those peculiar, eccentric folks. And Jesus is the one, and we pay attention to the person and the practice of Jesus. In his obedience, as he stepped in, not confessing any sin, we come into the water with all of our brokenness and all of our baggage. And we stand before Jesus and say, we need you to clean us because we can't get this stuff off of us. But Scripture tells us Jesus did this to fulfill all righteousness. The moral demands of God to complete everything that was called of Him to do. And in obedience, in relationship, He steps in and submits to this incredible act of self-sacrifice. Because it brings about in it a fulfillment of hope. You see, Jesus comes and he came into a time where hope in the coming Messiah was beginning to be reshaped. So much time had passed and so some began to regard this coming of the Messiah wasn't going to happen. And so they engaged in ritual practices the ascetics, the Essene community, you've heard of, of the cave people and they would try to live these incredibly pure lives, hoping that that would usher in the coming of the Messiah. Some did meticulous study and they looked for a conquering king and they were trying to find how is this going to happen and where is this going to happen. Some thought it was going to be brought through priestly sacrifice and purity. And so they began to push for the establishment, to, to get life right. Some thought this was going to be God's coming and he was going to finally pour out his wrath and his judgment. I think we actually see this today. I, see we, I think we see these repeated patterns as people are looking for the answer. Some practice and work like crazy and they pour out their lives looking for money and power. Some pour out their lives looking for study and education and prestige. Some put all their life into seeking celebrity. And some, through diet and exercise, are looking for some pure life. And I'm not talking about a healthy life. I'm talking about that obsessive search for beauty. Because they're looking to have that Messiah, that promise to be fulfilled. And like the community that Jesus walked into, we too have some that have lost hope. 
We see this in addiction. We see this in political action. We see this in violence. We see it in consumerism. Ways that we dull the pain and the sense of loss because we don't know how to move forward. But Jesus brings into this moment something surprising, something profound, something transformative, and something true. This is what lies behind the practice of baptism. It's more than a symbolic gesture. It's more than looking back at a memory. It's not an empty gesture. It is an act of hope. It's an act of submersion, and it is an act of subversion. As we stand against the world and say, you have no claim on me. My life belongs to Jesus Christ. And you become your true self by dying to yourself, arising anew in Jesus with a future, with a hope placed entirely in His hands. That's what we've observed this morning. And Matthew is declaring, this is the expected one. The fulfillment of all foretold. And it is beyond anything you could possibly imagine. This fulfills everything foretold and it is astounding. Pay attention. Their thinking needed to be reshaped. And in Jesus' act of obedience, He begins that process of showing them the Messiah was not going to be what they expected. It was going to be so much more. And I think in many ways, our thinking today needs to be reshaped. And this is what Matthew is doing. This is what Jesus is doing. He's bringing about hope reformed. And it's an invitation. It's an invitation into life. This is not fake news. This is not false hope. This is not an empty promise. It's not a fairy tale because life remains challenging. We don't find ourselves suddenly free of the brokenness and sin, but we find life in Jesus, incredible life, not an easy life, but real life. And we're called to live this life in community. And this is the church, a group of Jesus people, forgiven and imperfect, doing life together, peculiar and eccentric, and sometimes even a little bit weird. But it's still an invitation to be part of something bigger than ourselves. It's an invitation into change. And we find this invitation in the most unexpected place in the waters of baptism. And it's real change, and it comes into the lives of those who respond to Jesus. Where little by little, we are reborn into this new hope, and this hope lasts forever. As I said when I was in the tank, we live in the in-between years. But Jesus is living in this in-between with us. So we don't go through this journey alone. And we're not meant to do it alone. This is why we have community. And this is about discipleship. It's growing in Jesus, becoming more the people He made us to be. Transformed and free. The world misshapes us. But Jesus is coming along through the power of His Holy Spirit, reshaping you into the being He meant for you to be. It won't be perfect until the end, but it's profound. 
It's an invitation into humility because we must take God's calling on our lives with seriousness. We must not get caught up in appearances. This is an invitation into the ordinary. It's an invitation into the earwax things of everyday life becoming something different and profound. Jesus is in the business of taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. And he came ordained into the ordinary. The life of a carpenter. He embraced being human. He embraced being ordinary so that we too can live in humility and profound joy in this life that he has given us. And I think this leads us into gratitude. Because when the ordinary is seen through the eyes of the incarnation, the the Christ with us, Jesus as one of us, the simple things like water and a bathtub redirect our vision toward a profound eternal future. John understood this. He knew that there was one coming after him who would be greater, who would have a greater role Jesus was the greater one. John, in obedience and humility, becomes eccentric. His life decentered and becomes Jesus centered. And this is worship. Living with Jesus at the center and giving our complete attention, our adoration, in song and in word to the one we love. And it's poured out in everything we do whether it be Sunday, Monday, or Thursday. Living the ordinary life, knowing that Jesus is knitting into our lives His story, and that is what makes it extraordinary. We don't divorce the happenings of our life from worship. We bring them to Jesus, and He meets us in this ordinary place, and He brings it into the transcendent, where all of our struggles and burdens all those things that seem so mundane become sacred to Him. That's the incarnation. That's where the waters of baptism invite us into presenting our life as it is and seeing it through a new lens. The lens of Jesus where the ordinary aspects of my life, the earwax, becomes something extraordinary. It's an invitation into submission. Jesus assumed this position of subservience as he submitted himself to the waters. He did not balk at appearing lesser. He was God. He is God. And yet he allowed himself to be baptized. He understood who he was. He understood it was his role to carry out God's call to show us the way. And so, as we become more understanding, we too rely on that image, on that message, on that demonstration, and we carry out that call in our own lives. But neither John nor Jesus got carried away with the appearance of it all. They simply, in obedience to the plan of salvation that God had laid out, allowed themselves to be diminished allowed their own importance to be subserved, and they obeyed. And this is mission. Baptism is a public act. 
John, James, Andrew, and Simon Peter were there that day. And they got it. When Jesus called, they dropped everything because they knew, they knew this was a profound moment. And baptism is this commitment to participate with God in His mission to the world. Using the ordinary skills that we have, living the ordinary life that we live, allowing Him to take hold of that and doing extraordinary things in those moments that seem so mundane. John and Jesus give us powerful examples of life and change, humility and submission. In knowing God's purpose and not allowing self-promotion to get in their way. And when we follow this, it enables us to accomplish this calling that God has given us on our lives, wherever and however He chooses. And like Jesus, baptism is the beginning. And so we live the story We live the story in our practice. Like this morning, celebrating our new life in Jesus with a new family that God grafts us into. We live this story in our community as we come together and support one another in the good and the rough. Living life in unity. We live this story as we worship, declaring anew week after week that we belong. That we are peculiar that we are gods. We do this in song and in our work and we do it with humility and we do it with grace. We live this story as disciples, teaching others and leaning on others, experiencing change and growth together as we discover Jesus and learn to abide in Him and bear fruit all over the place. We live this story as we participate in mission to obey and to submit, declaring the glory of our risen Jesus for all to hear, for all to hope. And it is a hope that they too will respond and come to the waters and find hope in the one who led us and shows us the way. And we live this story as we follow the Master moving forward, responding to the invitation together into what He has for us next as individuals and as a community. And that's the invitation for us all this morning. No matter where you are, no matter where your life has taken you, whether you have been baptized or not, whether you've accepted Christ or not, the invitation to go deeper and to know Him and to experience that transformed life is open to every one of us. My prayer today for our inspired five is that they would know this deeply. And my prayer for our community today is that we would live this out together. And so let's raise our hands to Jesus and thank Him for the gift of His humble obedience in the ordinary, making this life that can sometimes seem so mundane, seem extraordinary in Him. Heavenly Father, thank You for the gift of Your Son. In His obedience, stepping into the water where the presence of Your Spirit came down like a dove and we saw God. Lord, I pray once again for Whitney and Mia for Gus and Dawson and Rachel, 
that this moment would be filled with meaning and it would propel them into what you have for them in the next. Father, we thank you for this community, for the friends and family that have joined us today, and for the privilege that it is to be your people and to celebrate this act of obedience together. For the rest of our day, we pray you would guide us and you would keep us, that you would make your face to shine upon us, and we give you our gratitude for your incredible, incredible grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.